Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Europe scene, summer, the present. Man on sidewalk named Peter Parker, age 16-ish. Occupation, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Peter Parker, a fixture of the summer, a rather minor component to a hot July. A nondescript, commonplace little teen whose life is a treadmill built out of sidewalks. In just a moment, Peter Parker will have to concern himself with survival. As of three o'clock this hot July afternoon, he'll be stalked by Mysterio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, Madness Moxie, and tonight, you might have guessed it, Mysterio. The Bop crew all managed to see a movie opening weekend, so we're going to celebrate with a quick detour into the Spidey Zone. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me for this Spider-Man Far From Home episode are my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. It's really sad to imagine this version of Flash Thompson being physically abused by his father. And Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. I like my heroes like I like my men. Strong and sticky. Mm. <laughs> that sounded like the worst cocktail possible. But uh... He does look like a stripper whenever he's wearing the Venetian mask. Like he's about to put yeah. on a show for you. And Mysterio's <laughs> I, there. I'm going to say, I saw this uh, with a young lady and we both agreed. That costume got much tighter this time around. <laughs> I mean, he had the stealth costume. He had a couple to go through. Maybe that one kind of shrank in the wash. It's easy to make it tighter when it's not really there. What a weird job it must be to be the guy who has to tighten up the crotch on CGI Peter Parker's pants. <laughs> Do you think there's a crotch like, guy? There's no, Yeah, there is. Like, there's a dedicated guy whose job is to just be like, hmm, gotta get just enough outline of that dick. Not enough. Bill, the dailies the are in. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no. It's real baggy <laughs> down there. Real loose. It's to do with a That's... tiny must. It's Scott Thompson. It's just a Scott Thompson character. <laughs> this this character's sixteen. <laughs> He's just a boy. <laughs> I want to see those ass cheeks clap. That's why we go to the jails to have someone do the special effects. <laughs> I'm just imagining a weird dystopia where there's like Chinese prisoners who are forced to tighten up the CGI on underage characters. Just what a horrible world. And then they get donated to like body worlds. <laughs> God, it does sound like a Disney move. We need someone with no morals to do the CGI for this film. Good. I think we've lost all, right. all of our viewers. <laughs> we can say what we want to say now. We finally got them all off the show. <laughs> Let's talk about Mysterio, the best thing that is ever going to happen to anything. To Mysterio! <laughs> Mysterio! I Mysterio, love, everybody! I love... Hey, hey. I love that Mysterio has a posse in this movie. It's not just Mysterio, it's Mysterio and the power of teamwork. I love Team Mysterio and how they support each other so much. They're best friends. That one guy who just kept calling him brother even though he threatened to shoot him in the goddamn face with, like, <laughs> drones. I like even they look at him like he's a rock star. Like, okay, he's going to have his tantrums, but we're here to make sure Ace Freely is happy. The dedication, too. Like, Mysterio supposedly dies, and they still go through with the plan of, like, nope, we've got to ruin a 16-year-old's life. Here's to you, Mysterio. Pour one out, buddy. <laughs> Mysterio's an idea, man. He's a philosophy. Uh, I, I gotta say, it, though, everything about Mysterio in this film is uh, just a beautiful chef's kiss. It's so easy for the MCU films to take inspiration from comic characters without actually just doing them. Which is what I thought we were going to get with Mysterio. You know, some guy who kind of has Mysterio's costume. and maybe some of his gimmicks, but doesn't really line up that closely with the comic book character. But no, this was like 
Mysterio brought to the current day and age. Like, how would Mysterio do it now? Well, he'd have drones everywhere and holograms showing water people attacking Italy. Of course. And of course he would try and shoot Peter Parker in the fucking head while he's looking at a fake version of his body. <laughs> Which is still the most Silver Age thing in this entire goddamn movie. Like, the first 20 issues of Spider-Man, every time Peter was distracted, one of those villains would just pull out a fucking pistol and shoot his head. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they, too, have been fascinated by that. And what I love about that, too, is it's pl- it plays in so much of the the themes they were going with for Mysterio. Is just at the end of the day, he just pulls out a fucking pistol and tries to shoot Peter in the side of the head at close range. That was a fun thing. Like, Mysterio, once the illusions are gone, is completely useless. Like, all he has is a gun, and he has to hope Peter Parker isn't paying too much attention. Like, they still did the Mysterio thing of, and then he's just a guy, and, like, he's not a threat at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it, it astounds me that in, what, five years, we've gone from, we can't do the Mandarin, that's silly, to, no, here's just 616 Mysterio. Just fucking Mysterio. Saying 616 because comic books. He managed to soften the blow on the silly by being like, we have to fight the elementals. You dumbass, there's no elementals at all. <laughs> we got you. I'm just a guy in a silly CGI costume. I, I, I really appreciated that Mysterio himself felt Mysterio was stupid. That wasn't a very nice touch. He really liked the name, though. That was fun. I love how he finally has a reason to be called Mysterio. (laughs) Because a 16-year-old boy said it and it sounded cool. Mysterio is so glad that a bunch of high schoolers on a field trip thought he was cool. It's great marketing. (laughs) And and what I love is you get just fucking straight on 616 comic book Mysterio. You get kind of a different motivation, but you also get... A reinvention Mysterio wearing a mocap outfit and a different version of the fishbowl. But also he wears his comic book outfit. Also he does comic book Mysterio, th- Mysterio things. Also he has a different uh, mode uh, of of working. Like he does, He's not like a fucking magic special effects guy. You get the best of both worlds. You get the movie reinvention and you get just the step off the page stuff. What I really hope they do in a sequel is they actually introduce the multiverse and then they bring in a Jake Gyllenhaal Mysterio who is legitimately a hero in his universe. And you have to watch Peter Parker have his brain just melt as he's like, which do I punch him or not? This one actually has magic Doctor Strange powers in his universe too. I would love to see them go full flash with this. How many Jake Gyllenhaals can we fit into this franchise? (laughs) Crisis on infinite Gyllenhaals. And I love how, at the end of the day, he is still just a disgruntled special effects man. Yeah. Like, just they just updated it to CGI, because somebody watching Civil War looked at the barf scene at the beginning and thought, that's kind of just CGI in real life. Yeah, like, that's that was just a Mysterio thing. Like, that was such a genius callback. I think a cracked article talking about that because there are so many different like world changing technologies that get introduced as like little tiny minor details in Marvel movies and then brushed off. Barf was basically one of them. Like, no, you just made memories real. <laughs> why, why isn't that a bigger deal? <laughs> like there's so much stuff in the Marvel universe where if the, you could take the time and explore and be like, oh, God, that really breaks this world if we stop and look at it. And it does something that so many Marvel movies in Phase 3 have done, which is make things from earlier so much more important in retrospect. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I like how that scene, as it stands in Civil War, is just a clever way to implement a flashback without going into another flashback. But now it's seeding something for the biggest Spider-Man movie of all time. In the first appearance of Spider-Man in the MCU. I particularly like it because, I mean, let's look at the first Spider-Man. Homecoming was essentially like a Iron Man spinoff. Like he was, he was not a huge character in that movie, but he did appear multiple times and he really guided Spider-Man and kind of, you know, pushed him along the tracks. In this movie, even though Tony's, de- uh, spoilers, Tony's dead, uh, boy, still a main part in this movie he, you know, the glasses have the acronym, even in death, I'm the hero. 
I like that even dead, Tony Stark is still basically fucking everything up. Like his technology is what causes all the problems this time around. People wanting to get even with Tony is what's causing the plot of this movie to happen. The man is dead, and yet he's still fucking up everyone's lives. He is threatening the whole planet. Yeah, I really like that they continued the thread of Peter essentially inheriting Tony's villains, <laughs> but in a way that also cements them as his villains too like i love that one of the biggest themes of this movie is peter establishing no he's not cap he's not iron man's sidekick he's not the next iron man like this is him state state stating once and for all no i am spider-man this is my franchise these are my characters Although I did appreciate the mental image of Iron Man, MCU Iron Man, having to fight Mysterio in like an Iron Man 4. <laughs> that would have been amazing. This version could have worked with that, really. Like we're going with more high-tech bullshit versus high-tech bullshit. It's already got a bunch of supporting characters from Iron Man. Like they could have slipped Rhodey in there too, I guess. But Happy has a huge role in this one. Uh, it, it's branched off of previous Iron Man installments. It really easily could have been an Iron Man 4 if they felt like going that route. We are weirdly getting more development of the Iron Man universe than we ever got in any of the main Iron Man films. Yeah, that's that's always way been more from weird. Happy, which I love. Yeah, uh, Happy was way overdue for that much stuff to do. Honestly, just um, being it, comic book Happy Hogan finally. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, just if only he boxed more again. Um, <laughs> that's the way. That's the weird thing with the Iron Man mythos in the MCU. Every non-Iron Man movie develops Iron Man. And then none of the Iron Man movies except the first one actually matter. <laughs> and now that he's dead, they still continue to, de to develop the Iron Man universe. And, I, and one big thing with, with, home, with uh, Far From Home is the, the whole theme of illusion I, I was, really wasn't expecting. Of course, it makes sense with Mysterio, but how they actually played it. But what I really wasn't expecting, considering Endgame just happened, is... Marvel goes, well, let's also continue one last time to deconstruct the myth of Tony Stark. Because let's remember who Tony Stark was as a person. So let's have the world at large think he's, you know, fucking Captain America or something, when in fact he's Tony Stark. And, <laughs> and having yeah. Peter actually have to both live up to a fake version of Tony... And then also have to come to terms with what Tony actually was post-death. Um, I, I really appreciate Marvel could very easily, like, lionize the character going forward, but did the unexpected thing and went, no, he's still kind of shitty. <laughs> That's the thing people connected to in the first place. Yeah. It's nice they had all that to build off of, because I'm not sure the villain's plot really makes that much sense outside of the thematics. Outside like, of thematics, is... no. He, he's pretty much uh, Jonathan Price from Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, like, what, what's he, what's he going to do? What is Mysterio going to do when he's the new Iron Man who doesn't actually have any ability to fight crime? Like, is, is it just for the endorsement deals? Like, he's going to be selling Nikes or something? Like, what? <laughs> to be fair, what did Iron Man do? Privatize <laughs> world peace. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I just... One time. Yeah, you know, he made, uh, you know, uh, limitless power that he used he to charge up the uh, towers uh, <laughs> of the city of New York. And then never share that, uh, that tech with anybody. He created nanotechnology. He didn't share that. Um, the arc reactor never shared that. Um, he did use it for his own property. Yeah. So I, I suppose he shared it with, like, his employees. The one time he shared anything, he was like, here, world. Ultron! Ah! <laughs> oh, what oh, have I done? He helped invent time travel. He didn't share that. <laughs> no, that's probably for the best. But you're very, you're, you're very right. That was, like, I was expecting a little bit of those kind of themes just with the character Mysterio himself. And maybe some stuff with Tony. I wasn't expecting every single character to deal with illusion versus reality in their own way. Yeah. The, the theme of objective truth was, was considering how, I mean, it's very subtle. I mean, they call it out pretty plainly. I mean, fuck, they have Mysterio say fake news. Mysterio <laughs> is Trump Mysterio, essentially. But it ends with Alex Stop. Jones. It, does, it ends with Alex like Jones. Um, 
And sometimes they, they, they call it out, but they're actually very subtle. And it, it's, it just surprised me considering Homecoming had a lot of like political themes, but they were pretty much just centered like on the vulture. You know, the, the yeah. trickle-down thing. And it was very subtle. And when it's centered on the villain, you kind of just expect it. But it permeates nearly every character interaction throughout the entire film. It permeates everything going on with Peter. Fuck, even as uh, I brought this up to you yesterday, even something as simple at the, at the end when Happy has one, one view of what his relationship with May is and May has a different view of what their relationship is. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm hoping on the DVD there's an extended scene of Happy walking around with sad music playing in the background after that meeting. Like, Alone Again Naturally is, is playing <laughs> and an extended sequence of Happy just walking up skyscrapers and peering off the edge, contemplating his death. And he's butt naked. God, can somebody edit the uh, scene from uh, Swingers where he's leaving the message on the girl's answering machine, but it's Happy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to see this. This is painful. Can someone use deep fakes for good and and replace out the parts in um, in Bruges where they're playing on Raglan Road and a man jumps from a tower to commit like a heroic suicide? Except for now, it's Happy who has just been dumped by Mercy Tomei. I don't want to see John Favreau's face on Robbie Coltrane's body. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it seems like a Frankenstein that would take over the world. <laughs> well, oh my god, he's too powerful now. <laughs> but there's even like subtle stuff with like some of the other supporting characters, like Flash trying to be way cooler and way more popular than he actually is. And even like MJ trying to pass herself off as being too Mary Jane to have a crush on Peter. It, now that I think about it, the only person who doesn't struggle with this is Ned, because once again, Ned is a perfect human being. Ned's perfect. I'm so glad that nope. character. Ned knows the truth of the self. Ned is the most beautiful character in the MC. Even more fascinating, his relationship with Betty works, even though Ned is being exactly Ned. Like, he's not lying to her or anything. They just have a week-long fling where she's like, yeah, I'll try out this nerd. Oh, it didn't work. He's still a friend. Oh, that um, happened off screen. How weird. And what I love is... It, it it feels like the movie thing where Peter's best friend is, you know, busy with a girl, so Peter's a little left alone. But no, they literally have Ned address that and go, look, I know I seem a little distracted, but I'm still your guy in the chair. Everything's cool. <laughs> and Betty just wants to hang. Hello, my name is Ned, and I'm allergic to drama. I'm not helping your movie develop its drama. Goodbye. I have to go be beautiful with my fedora. <laughs> Gives him confidence. I love how, of all the things to pull from the comics, pairing up Ned Leeds and Penny Pratt was one of them. <laughs> like, at this point, I feel like they're obligated to one day have Ned die in Europe while calling for Spider-Man, and then it's be framed posthumously time. as the Hobgoblin. <laughs> okay, the second part of that would have been a little tricky to do in this movie without some, you know, building going on in the first one. But they could do most of it. Real talk. When we get Spidey 3, whatever... Subtitle home they're using for that one. Homeboy. Homeboy. Spider-Man homeboy. Do you think they're going to keep bringing in unique new villains? Or are we finally going to get like a movie that says, fuck it, we're doing the Sinister Six? Honestly, with Peter being built up way more as an Avenger than he was in the comics for a long time, I could see them doing Sinister Six as an Avengers movie. Because it feels like every Spidey series in the back of its head just wants to jump into the Sinister Six, and they're all kind of fighting themselves to get to that point. Yeah. This one, I mean, theoretically, they've introduced a couple of villains so far. We, we still have the Vulture. He could be in there. Mysterio's dead, but it's Mysterio. His whole shtick is, don't believe your eyes, so I'm not trusting that he's dead. Uh, they introduced the Scorpion, who didn't get to do any cool Scorpion shit, but he has a vendetta against Peter. There's half your Sinister Six right there. And we still don't know what the man who is not Tony Stark is doing right now. He has that flash drive filled with mysterious evidence. Damn you, Peter Billingsley. Um, yeah, also, well, I want to say, Cody, how happy were you to hear Built in a Cave with a Box of Scraps <laughs> in a movie theater again? Ah, uh, goddamn, yes! <laughs> and as it turns out, the most important line in MCU history. My Tumblr knew it all along! <laughs> I fucking love how they don't show they don't show it in the flashback, so it's just there if you remember it. That his reply to that is, I'm not Tony Stark. 
Cut to ten years later when he's creating the anti-Iron Man. I will be Stark. <laughs> I love how you can do shit like that with the MCU, and everybody wants to come back. So you can From, always get those actors. Uh, this might be some IMDb fake trivia. I, I don't know. I picked it up online, so take a grain of salt. But the the actor in that scene was just a friend of John Favreau's. So he was basically in that scene as like a cameo for John, kind of. And then years later, they thought like, oh, screw it. We still know that guy. Just bring him back. Live off these royalties forever. Yeah. So it was, you know, some guy who just did it kind of as a lark. And then like, hey, we could actually make some continuity here. That guy's one of our friends. John's still in the movie. He could just invite him back in. That's how Clark Gregg got the goddamn role. Yeah. <laughs> what you were saying earlier, Mike? Oh, I was just saying, uh, it feels like for the next Spider-Man movie, considering the after credit scene, they're going for more of like uh, a gauntlet kind of movie, I feel like. Right. You know, it, it plays, I, I think, up to uh, Gargan asking Vulture in, the, in that after credit scene. Which was always a very odd after credit scene. Nice, a nice little button to Vulture's arc, but it, What's it the felt building like, too? yeah, like it was building to something. And I feel like this is what it was, like Gargan wanting to know who Spider-Man was. I could even see Vulture coming back and being like vaguely heroic or something. No, like he is the man who saved his life and the life of his daughter. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that he was going to let Peter go just for saving Liz, I think, kind of says everything about what his motivations might be in a, in a sequel. But it, that is an interesting point, because I haven't thought about this in years. Remember the early version of Spider-Man 2, where Harry was going to put a bounty on Spider-Man's head, and like five villains were going to come to New York to oh, claim yeah. it? I would yeah. love that as a homecoming. That part. would be great. Jamie, great way to bring Craven in or something. Too. Yeah, you're, you're talking about John Wick 3, Parabellum. Essentially, that, that, really, Spider -Man. that really tall guy that fights John Wick in the library, that's just Craven. Oh, that I would have loved for the after credit scene to be after the scene with Jameson. Peter just awkwardly walks down New York with everyone staring at them, and they're all Spider-Man villains. <laughs> just the gibbon in is in like the costume. Disney store, eyeballing him. <laughs> Doc Ock is holding up like six copies of magazines, just reading through all of them at once. Considering how many Spider-Man villains are just mercs, yeah, it you makes could sense. make that That's work. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. fucking Silver Sable, Black Tarantula. Well, we still have uh, Shocker roaming around this universe too, right? Like, did they, yeah. they didn't kill him off in Homecoming, so technically yeah, that could be four of your members, and then you could add two new ones to spice things up. Tinkerer's still around. Watch this. Be watch Aaron come to his defense as heroic prowler. <laughs> it's cool, man. I've got this. <laughs> it feels like they're trying to stay away from a lot of the things that were previously done on Spidey. I mean, hell, even the, the spider sense is now the Peter Tingle in an extended joke. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised in the post credits they brought back J. Jonah Jameson and even <laughs> specifically made it a callback to the original Spider-Man series. So who knows? Maybe that's out the window. And in, in Spider-Man 3, they'll start being like, fuck it. We're just going to do Green Goblin again or okay. Doc Ock. Or maybe they will just try to keep keep it fresh and do new things. I don't know. OK, there's it's a exciting. lot. To talk, there's a lot to talk about with Far From Home. Let's just get this part out of the way. Motherfucking J.K. Simmons. OK, did you guys have the same reaction where you heard controversial news source DailyBugle.net? And there was that split second of, who did they get to play Jonah? Yes. And 30 yep. actors went through your head. Yes. And then you saw J.K. Simmons. <laughs> the best man won. I'm ah. so glad they had the, the sense to say, nobody's going to accept anyone but J.K. Simmons. People will riot in the theaters. Yeah, and Marvel just worked. saying, fuck it. I knew it worked because in the theater, the, the post-credit came on and... All of a sudden, there's J. Jonah Jameson, and I heard someone in the theater gasp. Someone someone gasped at a post-credits scene of just seeing <laughs> beloved character actor appear on screen. My audience lost its shit for Jonah. I like, even if you're not, I just love how even if you're not really a Spider-Man fan and you didn't pay that close attention to the old movies, you fucking remember J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, you remember that You know voice. that voice. Yeah. I hope that means in all future versions of Spider-Man, everyone gets the balls to say, fuck it. Well, let's just get J.K. Simmons. Like, if they if they end up with J.K. Simmons in uh, Spider-Verse 2, 
no problem at all for me. Just go ahead, get his voice, get his likeness. They already used him no for Ultimate Spider-Man. He's the branded Jonah, pretty much. I think so, yeah, screw it. I think people are, have said now, hey, we accept this. It's okay, studios, we won't be confused. Put him in all the Spideys. For the PlayStation game, they went out of their way to cast a dude who sounds exactly like J.K. Simmons. I think it's what you got to do in this day and age. You get J.K. Simmons for your Spider-Man project or it's not legitimate. God, I love This is also a convenient way for us to just ignore Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 because there's no J.K. Simmons. That does help. And God, I yeah. love InfoWars Daily Bugle. Where they, they change nothing. It's it. just the info set. They change the color. The only thing that's a, a bummer about going that route is I would assume they would not have Peter Parker ever doing photography work for uh, a far-right podcast. So you kind of lose that, that fun twist of, oh, Peter works with his worst enemy. But that's been done enough times now where I think we can all live without it. And that hasn't been a part of the, the comics themselves in like 15 years. So I'm kind of okay with that just being something that belongs to the Raimi films. Yeah, I, I liked it because it gave a closer tie between Peter and J.K., so, or, I'm sorry, J. Jonah Jameson. Same thing. Same thing. In my mind, they're one being. So I, I like that you can include those guys and make them a little closer than Peter, like, just seeing some asshole talk shit about him on TV every once in a while. Oh, yeah. We were actually discussing this uh, before the episode. I would fucking love for them to return to the whole phase one. Let's see what the news thinks of Iron Man stuff. But it's always Jonah. I mean, we could really do that now. Yeah, we we somehow skipped the more important part of the first credit scene, which is now everyone knows Peter Parker is Spider Man. Uh, Except that's Flash, I assume he could never believe that Tony Parker would, yeah. was Spider Man. Because <laughs> you know they're going to keep that plot line going. I'm very interested to see what they do for three. That was the perfect stinger because that raises so many questions. The movie was complete without it, but now you have to see a Spidey three. Like it, it was a big holy shit. That yeah. yeah, and. Yeah. I like you're walking out of the theater now. I'm just like, fuck, it's going to take him how many years to make a Spidey three. That's going to be years. I can't wait. I, I need to know now. Does everyone believe this message? Some crank put it on TV. Uh, is, is Peter Parker going to have to like convince the world he's not Spider-Man? Is he just going to be out in the open now? It's, it's a nice parallel with the original Iron Man. I think of Tony just coming out and say, fuck it. I am Iron Man. This time Peter was outed and now I'll have to deal with that fallout. Yeah, which is Really interesting, because it didn't click for me until the scene in the jet when Pappy's giving him the be Spider-Man pep talk, and he lays out exactly what Peter's up against, that I realized, oh, this is a soft remake of Iron Man. <laughs> it even has, like, that fun suit-up build-your-armor scene. <laughs> like, right, like, technically, Mysterio is stealing Peter's tech and just being Ironmonger. I know, I, I hate to do all the speculation, because it's three years out, and they could just ignore that plot point in the next movie if they really felt so inclined, and they'd like write off in two seconds. But I, I like all the avenues that could push that character down. There's so much inherent drama in, the world is now against Peter Parker, 16-year-old boy. <laughs> and I love the twist of making Daily Bugle, like, something everyone just regards as a crank news source. So yeah. you can do the Daredevil thing of, no, no, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. I'm not Spider-Man. Well, they seem dead set on the idea of sticking with Peter Parker in school and going with that John Hughes idea. So if they do a third one, you know, he's not graduated yet. He's either going to be on the lam where he just drops out of school, which I don't think they would do, especially after all the setup on the first one, unless they were just dead set on throwing us a curveball. Now, Peter's I, just on the run. like a it, Yeah, <laughs> they do like a Peter on the run movie. That's one option. But I feel like they have to try and make it play nice with that concept they've already set up of Peter navigating through school and love and all that other shit. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that second route because I wouldn't want to write that story, but I definitely want to watch it. And the next two Marvel movies are Black Widow and probably Shang-Chi. So they can just let that cliffhanger sit for a while. Oh, exactly. Like there's nothing that really impacts the specific timeline or that Peter Parker stuff where we would even need to get caught up on it. They can just let that remain and ferment. Uh, Return to the movie itself. Do you think that's – oh, sorry. I just uh, before <laughs> – do you think that's why they introduced the scrolls to all this back in so they have a really, really easy out? No, it was a shape-shifting alien that killed Mysterio, not Peter Parker. I could see that. Oh, I, I could totally see them doing the Superman thing of, I'm not Peter, or I'm not Spider-Man, here's Spider-Man, I'm uh, shaking his hand. I also really enjoy that Ben Mendelsohn, ben Mendelsohn uh, referred to Peter Parker as the little boy. 
The little boy did good. (laughs) Going back to the after credit scenes, I I love how big of a, oh, it makes sense now reveal (laughs) that Talos being Nick Fury is. Oh, that's why Nick Fury was a Saturday morning cartoon version of Nick Fury. Yeah, like he was kind of off. People were disrespecting him, and he's kind of shrugged it off. Like, that seems wrong. He was dumb as shit. Like, that's not the Nick Fury they built up for so long. This is weird. And then you get to that end. It's like, okay, now nah, I can I can totally buy that. And I love how far they've gone against the idea of scrolls from the comics. Like, just the polar opposite of what comic fans expected of the scrolls. <laughs> They're heroes in disguise. Literally it. Always good guys. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Kree have sleeper agents, apparently. Yeah, the Kree are the total bad dudes, and uh, you got to root for the scrolls. I like this reversal. It is, yeah. I like it, too. Because honestly, I, I don't care to sit through them doing a gigantic like whole phase of movies where you think every time something's going on, it's just a scroll disguised as a bad guy. I kind of feel like that influenced their decision a little bit uh, when doing Captain Marvel. Is like, do we really want villains with this power always being a factor? Everyone's yeah. going to keep asking, and we've already gone through the Hydra thing. They can still kind of fuck with you, but there's no way you're going to get through like all Black Panther 2 and then find out Black Panther was a scroll. And audiences know that. So it's a relief. Like some of your side characters will turn out to be scrolls. So you always have that unease, but they're also on your side. So, eh, I'm, I'm very happy with the route they went with their scrolling. <laughs> always be scrolling. So I love how, one, I love how they're making it clear. Talos is sticking around and he's the most important thing in the world. <laughs> and two, what a brilliant final punchline to all of the themes of the movie like oh you thought like you thought nick was the one character who wasn't dealing with illusion and reality (laughs) i'm just imagining christopher nolan is in a theater somewhere like in a single tear goes down his cheek and he smiles as the credit music starts playing (laughs) (laughs) it said it all bravo the prestige but going back to things before the credits, <laughs> uh, one of the things I've really appreciated in the days since watching the movie is this movie somehow pulling off in another second Spider-Man movie, the most subtle Spider-Man no more I've ever seen. Yeah, that was very low key. Like, mm. I love how Peter's thing is just, no, I don't want to quit being Spider-Man. I just want to be Spider-Man some of the time and like immediately realizing that can't happen yeah or well the twist this time is it's not him wanting to quit the responsibility it's him wanting to limit the responsibility i just want to be the neighborhood spider-man yes and this which one's is something he fought like, for in the first movie yeah this one's set up like no nah, man not happening you you've been crowned an avenger you actually have to defend earth now good luck plus the the whole little bit of his powers going out whenever he's stressed like, that was played pretty low-key. Like, his spider sense didn't quite work until he got his shit together at the end, and then they turned back on, which is a fun echo of all the stuff they did in Part 2, where they're very in-your-face about the fact that Peter has lost his powers because his mojo's fucked. Yeah. yeah. The best superhero sequels always deal with the ramifications of the original, which, like, the Raimi movies did perfectly. Like, the first movie, Peter decides to be Spider-Man against all opposition. Spider-Man 2 deals with what that decision means to that version of Peter. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to see what the decision to be Spider-Man means to, P- to MCU Peter specifically. Right down to there not really being an issue about Mary Jane being in his life for this version of Peter because MCU Peter wouldn't really grapple with that. Like, MCU Peter would just be happy a cool girl likes him and likes to be Spider-Man. <laughs> like, I love the innocence of that. This yeah. version of Peter, like, gave away his multi-billion dollar glasses to a stranger he met, like, three days prior because he seemed pretty neat and had, like, one pep talk with him. This kid is not, like, I don't know, he, he's pretty trusting and cool with most folks, I think. So, yeah, the MJ stuff plays very nicely. Uh, <laughs> I like in the post-credit her panicking during the web-swinging stuff for them to <laughs> further distance the Spider-Man from previous Spider-Men. And that's just realistic. Zendaya as weird girl MJ is the best MJ. Yeah, I know a lot of people are pissed because that's not my MJ because it's not, you know, a white redhead girl with, you know, super who's going to be a supermodel. 
but who cares? This character is way more interesting. I'm glad they're not just repeating everyone. Like this version of Peter Parker is different. This version of MJ is different. Flash is even different. They're all spins on what we know from before, and I like the variation. Yeah, I love Basket Case MJ. I, I liked her in Homecoming. I really like her here. Um, and and it actually stays really a lot more on the same level as as comic book Mary Jane than people yeah. expect. It, it's the same themes, just they come out differently. Uh, it's not really, when you boil it down to what's underneath the skin, it's the same thing. Uh, the only thing that bu- bugs me about this MJ is just them overthinking it. You know, like, just make her name Mary Jane. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's okay. And I would have loved to see them just give her the red hair for this, mainly because, holy shit, does it, Zendaya have perfect Mary Jane hair when it's red? Yeah. <laughs> I really hope for a third one they just give her red red hair. Like, it's weird. Look at her at the premiere. It looks like it was drawn by John Romita. Yeah. It ends up looking like Todd McFarlane, Mary Jane. Yes, a lot. Also, I was not expecting the movie to end on not just finally seeing Peter swinging through New York, but what has to be the longest scene of web-swinging porn we've gotten in any of these movies. (laughs) It's been so long since we got good web porn. And it's like two minutes straight. I love it. And some practical web slinging in there, too, which is pretty cool and probably on green screen. But still, there's a lot of Peter jumping around practically, which was nice. Yeah, I know. Like they still uh, Mysterioed the costume onto him in this film, unfortunately. I will say I noticed that significantly less this time around. I think some of it's just the advanced suit or the, the upgraded suit has a lot more black to it, so it doesn't reflect light as weirdly as the Homecoming suit did. Well, yeah. there's a big difference. If you look at the stealth suit compared to the Iron Spidey suit at the very beginning, just like the design of the costumes, you can tell one looks so much better. Okay, I have a, a thing with the Iron Spidey suit at the beginning. I'm weirded out by the fact that it looks more realistic than the one in Infinity War but that makes it look worse because it's like he's wearing like a child's muscle suit. It's odd. <laughs> like I, I, it took me like 10 minutes to figure out if that was CGI or if they just put the weirdest costume, the weirdest fitting a costume on him <laughs> that I've ever seen. And I honestly don't know if that's because it's wonky CGI or it just tracks better. And there's some kind of uncanny Valley thing going on. I think there's definitely uncanny Valley. Like it's, it's shiny in the exact way it would be shiny if it were in that room, and that really fucks with your head. There's something about all metal suits, though, that just never really looks right. There, there's no. something you can pick up and like, mm, I don't know. There's a reason and they wouldn't match too, it's like with when it all does the Iron like Man the, when, when, like, the mask dissolves, too, like, that always throws you off, because you know that's not possible in any way, and it just yeah. looks fake. So, like, the, the seams on the neck just don't quite line up or move exactly the way you'd expect them to. Whereas when they're trying to imitate, like, a stretchy cloth suit, you have a little more leeway, I think, in the way that reflects light and looks in the real world. Especially the stealth Spidey suit. I mean, that's designed to basically be black and just absorb a lot of light. So you can... That one just... It feels like you can get away with so much more. And I don't know, maybe they left more of the practical suit in that one than they would have with the other Spidey suits. I caught way less CGI stealth Spidey than CGI normal costume uh, mm-hmm. i think just because it's thicker they, they seem to be obsessed with cgiing over the practical spider-man costume to make it skin tight like a comic book yeah and that just makes it look like he's not there <laughs> well yeah i was re-watching homecoming the night before seeing this and woof has that effect aged poorly especially after infinity war I don't get their obsession, because whenever he's in the practical suit, especially the final one, the black one, it looks so goddamn good. But, man, whenever he's just CGI Spider-Man standing there, not even doing anything, it's like, why? (laughs) It does not look good. It's weird, and it's weird because there's the gag of Mysterio's costume being CGI, that seems like they're goofing on Homecoming, but they still did it again. <laughs> also, the CGI Mysterio costume looks phenomenal, always. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can I just say how much I fucking appreciate that they had Hall remove the chest plate for his villain speech <laughs> so that he's just comic book Mysterio for a scene? 
while giving his fuck while going into Nightcrawler Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I've wanted to see that dude give a supervillain speech for like a decade now. That made me so happy. Damn, Gyllenhaal was good. Scooby Doo kind of moment. Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed moment, like when they're inside <laughs> of the villain museum and you get to see like the real world equivalent of what all those costumes would be. Only in that one, they all come to life as CGI monsters shortly after, and you get the movie version of all all that stuff. I was I don't know I'm a sucker for that when like here's the shitty version that you would have gotten if this were a real world thing. Don't aren't you glad you don't have that? Also, speaking of the costumes, I love little details like that and them throwing the homecoming suit onto Peter during the first Mysterio fight because they know no he has to look like Spider Man the first time he fights Mysterio <laughs> or it's not right. <laughs> And man, did they just do all the Mysterio stuff. He was huge. You got the big, you know, giant Mysterio hands punching him. You got the fishbowl, all the fun stuff with the fishbowl. I really stuck with it, which made there me so happy. Fish bowl. They even there gave him the, the echoey Mysterio voice. That <laughs> he had an army of fake Spider-Mans come after him. Yes, he did. Like, oh, I can Green smoke everywhere and so doors. Mysterious faraway doors. Mysterio's bullshit green smoke that he has for some reason always in the comics. I could not believe they did the surreal fucking Mysterio bullshit with the, with the illusions. I'm so glad they did that because I think Watts, it was either Watts or, or Feige said something about them picking Mysterio and they were glad um, after, they were glad they went with Mysterio because after seeing Into the Spider-Verse how bullshit it would have been if they just went with a villain Spider-Man had to punch. Yeah. Hmm. Which is something I really appreciate that they continued from Homecoming, which is this Spider-Man isn't really a fighter. Yeah, which isn't Spider-Man's thing. Like, he can punch and stuff and do, like, if he's fighting an acrobatic villain, but he's not really a fighting kind of character so much. He can drop kick you. Like, <laughs> you, you and I were discussing, like, after you watched it, like, when, when the hell was the last time Peter just outsmarted a villain oh my god it was spider-man 3 <laughs> yep and that that was the only time <laughs> it's this and it and uh far from home where peter used spider-man thinking to, to take down a villain yeah it, god it really felt like the end of the origin arc for peter like on that plane he came up with the plan of how to defeat mysterio he went over everything and he did it in the most spider-man way imaginable and, and made his own costume. Yes, he made his own costume finally, which almost feel, feels like a, a meta moment in some way. Yeah, I, I feel uh, like that was intentional very much. This can only mean that next Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man is going to like bankrupt a major company that he's in charge of. He's going to have to dissolve <laughs> his marriage through Satan. Aunt May is going to die, probably because he accidentally gave her asbestos-based cancer for one of his suits. The Vulture is going to switch bodies with him. Yeah, Peter's going to fuck all of this up even worse than, you know, his life already is. Things can't be too good for Peter Parker. But Mysterio's dead at least, so it's okay. I love how in death Mysterio became the greatest of Spider-Man's villains. Like he's the fucking Green Goblin or something. <laughs> Which is like 100% a Spider-Man thing. But they give it to Mysterio. I love that. I hope he comes back in flashbacks. Like every other Spider-Man movie, they have to be like, oh, this character's dead. But you'll still see him in Visions. Well, considering Mysterio was mostly illusion, they could totally bullshit and just have AI Mysterio show up. That's or just have Team now. Mysterio take up the mantle of him and just bring Hall back as CGI, controlled by the other characters. That's what's so brilliant, is... Based on Mysterio's death, they could either just have him go like, ah, oh, he faked his death. You know, he did give an Oscar performance as he was dying, essentially. It was very staged. Or playing, going further with the idea that this Mysterio is, you know, all information and based on social media and, and all this stuff, that Mysterio isn't a concept, an idea. Just have Team Mysterio. You can have Gyllenhaal still play Mysterio, yeah. but he's not real. He's just a hologram. And that's fucking brilliant that's a brilliant version of mysterio who's not even a person <laughs> idea i'd like the idea of a villain driven purely by pettiness even beyond the grave uh, <laughs> other idea other idea batman return or we're, we're not gonna get terry mcginnis as batman anytime soon so they can just take all those plot lines 
just do like the return of Joker as Mysterio. He just implants yeah. himself on someone else and makes Jake Gyllenhaal possesses your body when you're not paying attention. It does Mysterio bullshit, and then you it's go back Ned. To- oh, Ned no. is the guy in the chair. The guy in the chair is the man of mystery. <laughs> Only he doesn't know. I'm just imagining the fedora on the fishbowl, and I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of costumes on other characters, so. Uh, that one guy in the jail is just a superhero now, right? Like, he, he took up the mantle of Night Monkey after Peter left. He's got the costume. Just solving Finnish crimes. <laughs> so Night Monkey's a uh, legitimately actually, better name than Spider-Man, right? It's really catchy. Yeah. It's not bad. I'm just imagining, though, as soon as the movie ended, like, that cop went down to Midsummer and was horribly murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I love what an odd Spider-Man tangent that entire sequence is. <laughs> Just he goes to the Netherlands and everyone's really nice to him. <laughs> There's a very nice man who just gives his phone to him. Like, sure, make a long distance call. This really might have been the most Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie that we've gotten. I mean, Peter nearly killed his entire class in a drone strike trying to delete a photo off somebody's phone. <laughs> Yeah, you would think as like a young kid, he'd be much better at controlling technology. Terrible at it, terrible at it. This is, Peter Parker must be like the kind of guy who accidentally like creeps on someone's Facebook page and likes a post from like six years ago. (laughs) Oh, I have to delete Facebook now. It's it's one of those things, once you do it, you just either got to face up to it and be like, hey, I was creeping, or you were gone from Facebook. There's no middle ground. Happy just uh, sends him a text later. Look, Peter. I left a weird message on your aunt's answering machine. Can you get to do something? <laughs> Give me the magic glasses. Also, I wonder, like, how Tony planned out the delivery of the glasses. So he had to do this as a contingency plan in case he died. Did he make, a, like, a list of, like, his favorite next up in case of death and then just keep, like, crossing them out if they died? Like, they, there was a list to the lawyer, like, okay, if Captain America is dead, don't bother sending glasses to him. Uh, if the vision's dead, don't give him the glasses. If so and so still alive, they get him. They're like fourth in line. Peter Parker, sure, he's he's there. <laughs> Considering Peter was dead, whenever Tony would have set that up, he was planning for the contingency where they won, but he still died. Well, yeah, that was some weird planning. Well, isn't it implied in the very final after credit scene that Fury just wanted to have the glasses? That That is very possible. Because yeah. Ta- Taylor says, like, yeah, yeah, I gave him the glasses, like, like I was supposed to. I can, I can very see that, very easily see that being what they were going to. It's a very Nick Fury move. Yeah, True. I mean, it's the car, it's the uh, bloody cards thing all over again, essentially. Yeah, I like that idea much more than Tony Stark just like, fuck it. Uh, I didn't update my will for, like, six years, and Peter Parker was alive at the time, it's fine. Like, I'm just happy we got to see Peter Parker wear goofy glasses again, even just for a couple of seconds. <laughs> like, I love the weird, like, almost meta joke of when Tony wears those glasses, he looks like Tony Stark. When Peter puts them on, he becomes Steve Ditko, Peter. Like, they do not work at all. Also, uh, R.I.P. Karen. Uh, like, I understand why Karen wasn't in there, just because... The plot focused so much on a different AI, but man, I miss Jennifer Connelly giving Peter girl advice. Yeah, that was a shame. It felt like they were building up to something there, and then they're like, uh, eh, moving on. Far From Home, as much as it carries over so much Peter stuff from Homecoming, like it, it's almost like Batman Returns in a way. Like No real other thread from Homecoming is really followed up on. Yeah, it shed a lot. I think Tony just doesn't give a shit about his AIs. <laughs> He programmed her to self-destruct whenever he died. <laughs> oh, you have to become Ultron. <laughs> we already had one vision, and that was enough. I'm still ah. mad about the MCU doing the vision dirty. They, that that uh, upcoming vision Wanda, WandaVision, it better be fantastic, because I'm still salty about that. They had I Will Always Love You play over a shitty JPEG of the vision. <laughs> I feel like that was done just for you, Cody. <laughs> it's not Thank enough. God someone mourned him. He posed for that. <laughs> Paul Bettany needs work. Give him the jobs, guys. So I just want to say, okay, did they all sit in a room and just think of 
every single joke scenario that could have come from the snap. Because I feel like they're all represented in this movie. I'm, I am glad they touched on post-snap world, unsnap world, because really that would be just monumental, the way that would screw everything up. But boy, I, I still in the back of me is like, they, they need to be like making 30 comic book series just to explore all the other shit that went wrong in this universe when half the population just popped back up. Uh, I, I know that I assume if we get an Ant-Man 3, that there's a shit ton they can pull out of that with oh, they got Scott's it. daughter being so much older. Yeah, 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 that's five years without her dad. And like, Ant-Man's the perfect character to explore that kind of minutia with. Well, they got to hint at in this movie, too. Like, Aunt May's charity is basically helping people who lost their houses because everyone thought they were dead. Like, just how... Imagine how annoyed you'd be if, like, the least your house that you paid off was gone. <laughs> and they're like, sorry, government sold your house to somebody new. That is such a... Get back. That is such a classic I, Marvel thing, too. Of this giant, epic, cosmic event happened, and we're going to explore how everyone lost their mortgage. <laughs> so they touch on that briefly but the main thing they kind of show you is jokes like oh hey the basketball players are in between the uh kids playing in the marching band and not once has anyone asked one of these people like what was it like to be dead for five years do you remember heaven <laughs> <laughs> and hey they, we have bigger repercussions there is that giant boy walking around <laughs> Which feels like a joke we would make, and I really appreciate it. Goddamn Brandon Lee. Yeah, we, we, Mike and I were really stuck on how much of a fucking movie star that kid looks like. <laughs> it's like, is, is this like a Disney Channel kid I haven't heard of something? He looks like a leading man at, like, 17. <laughs> All the better to embarrass Peter Parker with. That guy's going to be the can... next villain. He's going to be the other member of the Sinister Six we haven't seen yet. <laughs> Surprise, I'm the chameleon now. <laughs> okay, were, you guys, they... were you guys really surprised that chameleon was not in this? Like that one shady guy with the beard? Like, I'm so Named Dimitri. Named Dimitri, like, come on. We all, we all thought, like, deep down, oh, that's got to be chameleon. As part of a spy I... group, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I'm curious if that's just a ludicrous coincidence or that was intentional misdirection on their part. Marvel had to be doing that to fuck with us, because when that was reported, they actually announced, like, oh, this character's playing Dimitri, and literally every site just reported that, like, hey, that's probably the chameleon. They knew. Because that guy and, barely had any lines. There were, like, there was no reason to announce that casting other than... Yeah, he has season two scenes. I still like to think he's the one who isn't a, a scroll, and he's just fucking confused that entire time. But he liked r driving that bus. <laughs> Dimitri like being a daddy. I, I going back to um kind of the themes of the movie for a second. But besides like the, the political allegories and all that with 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 Mysterio that was so interesting. I also like how it also examined where the MCU is as a thriving universe in kind of an unexpected way, where you have Mysterio be able to comment on the fact that this is a this is a world that is fully the Marvel Universe, like, how it is in the comics. Like, this is a world of superheroes where people wear fucking costumes and have stupid names, and <laughs> and Mysterio recognizes that this is the way the world works now, and the only way to have any kind of real power where people pay attention to you is if you're a fucking superhero. So to just fake that in a safe manner... So he's not... And what's enjoyable is this Mysterio isn't necessarily a criminal... Yeah. It's just about fame. He's a superhero influencer, essentially. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Just imagine his Instagram. Oh, Mysterio is totally on the gram. Mysterio grams, <laughs> as he calls them. To be fair, have you seen Hall's Instagram? <laughs> I have the all Mysterio. Just him hanging out in his apartment with the dome on. Hall <sighs> really likes being Mysterio. Well, who can blame him? If I got to be Mysterio, I'd be the happiest man on Earth. That, that is the consolation prize for not being Spider-Man. Somewhere, I bet Bruce Campbell every day wakes up and says, it wasn't my chance. Just just imagine what that would do to you. Like, even someone as accomplished as Bruce Campbell not getting to play Mysterio, I bet it eats at him every day. Oh, you think he left the theater like John Wayne at the end of The Searchers, just standing in the door? <laughs> I, I love that mental image of him leaving the theater and getting that shot. Like having a popcorn bucket in one hand, the light of the alley, uh, not the alley, like the lobby coming in. 
a oh, long that's fucking weathered living <laughs> legend, Bruce Campbell. Still wearing cowboy boots. I imagine he quits being Ash, like he retired, just so we had that one last outside chance of being Mysterio in this movie. They missed a chance, though. The CGI on Gyllenhaal falls away, his face dissolves, <laughs> and it's Bruce Campbell. That actually would have been fucking brilliant. Like, he's not even handsome. <laughs> Wait, oh god, imagine this twist. Peter Parker walks away after Edith tells him that there are no illusions left. Jake Gyllenhaal fades away, and in his place is just Bruce Campbell's corpse, dressed in the Mysterio, like, onesie. <laughs> With an M belt. <laughs> Everyone would have been so happy. Everyone who's a big fan of the old Raimi movies would have been like, ah, yes, Bruce Campbell did get to be Mysterio in, in death. Also, the real Mysterio is still alive. There, there's so many ways that would have been fun. Speaking of, before we, we leave, can I just say how much I love the Raimi touches they gave this movie? Stuff there's like lot, the yeah. necklace subplot and like pretty much any interaction between Peter and Mary Jane. Like the one one of the things I thought was missing of home from homecoming were those little bits of Spider-Man heart. Yeah. And this movie delivered that just in gusto. And if it weren't for the fact that into the spider verse is one of the greatest movies ever made. I think this would have ended up being the best Spider-Man movie. It's up there. I still put a lot of faith in Spider-Man 2. I mean, I've only seen it so I can't just immediately yeah. say it's the best one. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a great ride. Mysterio Fox. So that's, that's <laughs> a lot of points right there. Mysterio, Mysterio Fox. Fox. Mm, I love, I love that we have like three perfect Spider-Man movies. You, you know, there's not three perfect Batman movies. There's not two perfect Superman movies. Spider-Man has three. I think that's why I'm really excited about the the possibility of a Sinister Six in Spider-Man Home 3. Because oh they boy. are two for two on main villains so far. Just imagine what they do if they had to like suddenly fill in four or more. What if they knocked all four out of the park in one movie? And have them working as a team. Quick, get us more Oscar winners. We need villains. I want to see their Green Goblin so bad. Give us Giancarlo Esposito as Doc Ock, damn it. Yeah. The world can dream. I, I, folks, I know it's years away from a Spider Man Home 3, but I dream of the day I get to come online and say, The it. Sinister Six fucks. And that's, that's all I want out of life. And I will see you in, I don't know, three years, I guess, when that happens. Maybe. There's a lot of ifs. Four. Jim Watts presents, John Watts presents. The, the Sinister Six fucks Spider-Man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Things, we messed up. Things went awry. A film by Disney. <laughs> we, really should have put a can we really should have put a colon in there. there. There's probably room for at least one. It's just raw footage of Tom Holland crying. And being a British. I didn't ask for any of this. Why, why, why is that man with the mustache looking at photos of my butt? Just a large man in a shocker costume standing over him while he's crying. Craven's last hump. Good night, everyone. That's the best I can do. I'm Good. retiring from the Good. internet now. I've achieved Good. my life goal of making the stupidest Craven suicide joke. It's really weird when Craven says my mother was insane and then comes. <laughs> you say that as if that's not a thing. <laughs> uh, it's still in a coffin. That's the weird part. It's Careful, still we're using all of our post-credit jokes up. <laughs> Folks, uh, if you can't tell, we all really enjoyed the new Spider-Man movie. Bop definitely recommends Spider-Man Far From Home. If you've enjoyed this episode of Bop, and Lord knows why you wouldn't, we talked about Mysterio all the time. I'm assuming that's what the kids are into. The algorithm tells me so. You can catch more box office pulp. I almost said all the words there. You can catch more <laughs> box office pulp <laughs> on... Uh, Stitcher, we're on iTunes, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Blogspot, just look up Box Office Pulp. We have our own website at www.boxofficepulp.com. Check us out. We do commentaries, we yell at each other, uh, we've threatened to murder each other at least 30 times and somehow not have been arrested. It's a fantastic racket. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap. Get it? That's a wrap? Like Spider-Man. Because he wraps him up in webs. You really had to reach for that one, dude. And like that, he's gone.
Can I just say that I got to watch someone with no knowledge of Mysterio become devastated by the fact that he was not Spider-Man's best friend at all? Oh, you should have put that into the episode proper. That would have yeah. been wonderful to talk I about. Had, I had the same experience, and I love how this proves it's universal. Everyone was really on board with Mysterio being the next big MCU superhero. And it's Mysterio who looks like Mysterio. <laughs> I'm very happy because this means there were children whose first experience with Mysterio is heartbreak. <laughs> As it should be. They're, that's going to be a permanent association in their head. They're going to see Jake Gyllenhaal like 10 years from now, and they're just going to know, I can't shake his hand. He'll betray me. <laughs> well, that's what the Spider-Man movies are about, being betrayed by older men. Hear that, kids? <laughs> Mysterio fucks. <laughs> I I can die happy knowing that America fell for a Mysterio trick. And he was too fictional to revel in his victory. <laughs> that, really, that's the most Mysterio thing of all. <laughs> like somewhere in the ruins of the ultimate universe, Mysterio was laughing. <laughs> this is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.